Welcome to episode number 59 of the Debt-Free Dad podcast. So what habits do you need to become a millionaire or say somebody who is wealthy? Now, we don't talk about this topic all that often on this show, but when I first started on my journey of financial freedom, I was shocked to find out what these habits were. And today we're going to be sharing seven secret, we say secret delicately, right? Habits of millionaires. And the best part is everybody can immediately start using these in your own life today. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Debt-Free Dad Podcast, where we're helping normal, everyday people learn how to save money and kick debt so they can live a happier and stress-free life. Now here's your host, Debt-Free Dad, Brad Nelson. Hey, 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 how's everyone doing today? You can find me on Facebook, Pinterest, YouTube, and Instagram. Just search Brad Nelson Debt-Free Dad. And we would love to connect with you on one of those social platforms. And we uh, just want to welcome you guys to today's show. So uh, Ryan and Amber, it, it feels like a while we've been recording this podcast, but it's actually been a couple of weeks since we've all gotten a chance to meet. So it's good to see you guys. But first, when you guys hear this millionaire or this word wealthy, like, first of all, did either one of you ever, like, what, did, what was your first kind of thought behind those words like maybe as a young adult or as you became an adult and you thought of that stuff like what did it mean to you if you were gonna be that and versus like right now where you're at today like what are the differences for you guys i'd be like impossible (laughs) (laughs) i need to be like famous and wealthy (laughs) i was for sure gonna be a millionaire when i was a young teen you know for sure i mean no problem i'll be a millionaire but no i mean as i got older i mean i think accumulating stuff and money was like a driving factor. Um, so, I mean, I, I think it was, you know, I think I wanted to live the millionaire lifestyle or at least what you think is the millionaire lifestyle, but you know, kind of on a much less of a budget, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but, it, right. but I wanted it to look like I, I was a millionaire. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I think that that's what surprised me the most about this is that, you know, I mean, I've said on this show multiple times, when I first started this, you know, my my goal was not to have a business or a podcast or anything like this. It was just, it was about having more money to do more things, buy more stuff and not necessarily have to rely on debt. And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting when you think about the word millionaire, right? And you think, well, you just get to live this luxurious lifestyle all the time, or these people must have like really fancy vehicles and they must go out to eat all the time and go on the best vacations or the fanciest, the fanciest vacations. And when I actually started to learn more about the average millionaire, because there's there are people, there are wealthy people that do live that way, right? But the overall majority of them, based on studies, and we're going to be talking about one specific one here in today's show, shows that that is not the average millionaire. That's not the lifestyle that they live. And one of the best books that I've read, and I'm going to recommend it to everyone who's listening to this. If you have not read this, please check it out. There's actually two of them. Uh, I'm reading the second one because I haven't read it yet. Uh, I'm actually going through some of the first chapters right now. But uh, the first one I want to share with you is called The Millionaire Next Store. And if you're watching this on YouTube, I'm actually holding this up so you can see it. Um, But this book is actually written by Thomas Stanley and William Danko. And they actually came out with this book back in the late 90s, early 2000s-ish. And They've done some they've done a couple of updates with it but what was interesting about this book is that it was a 20 year study on millionaires like what makes millionaires millionaires 
And I just want to read one of my favorite paragraphs from this book. And this is how they kind of like kick this book off. It says, 20 years ago, we began studying how people become wealthy. Initially, we did it just as you imagined, by surveying people in so-called upscale neighborhoods across the country. In time, we discovered something odd. Many people who live in expensive homes and drive luxury cars do not actually have much wealth. Then he says, we discovered something even odder. Many people who have a great deal of wealth do not even live in upscale neighborhoods. <laughs> and, and seriously, that is the statement for the book itself. That's what they were finding. It was interesting. I, I remember reading some other parts in this book, and they said that you know, they, would, they would bring in millionaires to interview them and talk to them, and they would bring in like food. Like food they would think that millionaires would eat, things like high class food, like lobster, you know, or or seafood and, you know, maybe nicer wines and champagnes. And, and most millionaires, when they got there, they didn't touch any of that stuff because it's it wasn't what they did. It wasn't what they ate. It wasn't the lifestyle that they lived. And in this book, they shared seven factors that almost all millionaires had in common that they studied. And in today's show, we just want to cover these seven factors. And, and I think what you'll find in your own life is that these could be things or ideas or habits that you could easily adopt in your own life. And maybe they don't necessarily make you a millionaire or ultra wealthy, but I can guarantee you that they are definitely going to improve your finances and your overall lifestyle for sure. Um, so guys, have you guys read this book at all? I haven't. Okay. I don't believe I have. Okay. So this would be good for you guys too. <laughs> <laughs> so the first one is, and, and not to shock everybody here listening to this, is number one, they live well below their means. And so they're, they're not overspending. They're not living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, they don't drive the most expensive cars. They actually, in the study, have, you know, they, they come to find that they drive pretty typical vehicles that most people drive. Uh, they don't live in super expensive homes. And in fact, most of them live in very modest homes. And one of the people like that always gets coverage for this is uh, Warren Buffett. You know, he's like the, you know, the big, huge investor guy worth billions and billions of dollars. And they showed Warren his house. Like, and it's, it's just like your typical house. Like there's nothing super fancy about it. And people are always like shocked and just like, why would he pick that? And it's like, it's just, it's just this modest lifestyle. It's just it's just the attitude behind it. They shop at discount stores like Amazon and Walmart. And from another book, and I just wanted to throw this one in this section uh, called uh, Everyday Millionaires by Chris Hogan. Uh, he actually they actually did another study and they found that ninety three percent of millionaires actually still use coupons. Ninety three percent. So if you thought once you could become a millionaire, you don't have to learn how to save money anymore, I think. Uh, Step number one or factor number one pretty much wipes that off your plan. <laughs> maybe that's the key because I don't use coupons. I never really have. So maybe I should start using coupons. <laughs> <laughs> we we admittedly are not big couponers too. I mean, my wife will, she'll, she'll use them if it like is just convenient, but we don't like buy the paper and do coupon cutting and all that stuff. We've, we've never really gotten into that. You know how many times I've gotten yelled at after I come back home from the store and my wife's like, did you use the coupon? I'm like, sure. <laughs> As I crumple it up and throw it away. Cause I'm like, Oh, she does it and she hands it to me. And then I forget to give it to him. <laughs> Factor number two is they allocate their time, energy, and money efficiently in ways conducive to building wealth. So what does this mean? This means that they have a plan and they make it a priority. 
Uh, in the book, Thomas and William have a team or a term for the accumulators of wealth. They call them prodigious accumulators of wealth or PAWs. Those that accumulate and build wealth agreed heavily in favor of these three statements. So listen to these three. Number one, I spend a lot of time planning my financial future. Number two, usually I have sufficient time to handle my investments properly. And number three, when it comes to the allocation of my time, I place the management of my assets before my other activities. Guys, for me, like this is like a home run to anybody that I'm coaching because one of the number one excuses, and, and Amber, you hear this from me all the time in Roots, it's like one of the number one excuses we hear on why people are struggling and not making progress is I just haven't made it a priority and I don't have time. And Yeah, all the time. All the time, right? We, we hear it all the time. And this is one of the things that separates those who are super successful with managing their money versus those who are not. It is, it is not just about income. It is just that these people have just made their finances, the management of their finances, a priority. And, and I used to be one of those people, you know, in my 20s and even in my early 30s, like I never made my finances really a priority in my life. And of course, I was broke. But once I started to actually really focus on this stuff and learn about it and pay attention, and even to this day, really manage our finances magically, and I magically, right? My finances have improved and immensely. We're debt free now. We're doing better than we've ever done before. And I think I, looking at this list that I'm going to share here today, I think this is the one that I can pinpoint on for sure, for, at least for us. Well, and I think you look at it, you know, from, um, you know, you think of, you know, people listening to this is like millionaire, millionaire. I don't, you know, I don't want to be a millionaire. And I know for me, it's still not really a goal of my, like, I'm not trying to be a millionaire, but I think when you look at this and how much time, you know, they spend on their finances, becoming a millionaire is the result of all this. So the, your goal might not to be a millionaire, but if you start doing all this stuff and you start to really take hold and you start spending time on your finances, doing all these things, then that is a possibility. It might never, never be your goal. Just like, it's still really not my goal to, to become that millionaire. But as a result of all these things that we're doing, spending all the time we spend on it now, doing what we're supposed to do, I could end up with that result. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. It, it does not have to be like you. Yeah. You couldn't have said it any better. I mean, you don't have to have that goal of being a millionaire to follow just these seven things that we're going to talk about here today. It could get you to half a million dollars or just <laughs> or just less financial stress or less debt. Right. I mean, these are the things yeah. that you just need to practice and, and you'll win. The less stress that that just does it all for me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and, you know, for most people that we talk to and, and I ask them, you know, what are some of the financial goals and things that you would like to reach? You know, we hear things like, I want less financial stress. I don't want to have to worry about my money all the time. We'd like to buy a house or I'd like to just have freedom and flexibility. Or some people even say, man, Brad, it would just be nice to go to a restaurant and just pick something off the menu and not have to worry about like, are we going to be able to pay next week's bills? Right. I mean, so most people aren't like coming to me and saying, I want to be millionaires or super wealthy, but you can just take the habits that they're using and you can apply them to your own life and your finances will, like I said, magically improve, right? Number uh, three, factor number three is they believe that financial independence, this is such a good one too, financial independence is more important than displaying high social status. So going back to things like consumption, 
most really aren't keeping up with their peers and most have no interest in keeping up with the Joneses, right? They don't really pay attention too much to what their friends and family are doing statistically. Um, you know, they, they just have their plan and they really have an attitude of, I don't care what you think of this. This is what we're going to do. And we talk about this a lot on this show. Like if, if you want to be successful with your finances, you've got to break away from the herd. And I'm not, we're not saying like you have to defriend everybody, you know, right? But you have to stop kind of using and taking their financial advice because 78% of people out there right now are living paycheck to paycheck. And it's these people who have become, say, millionaires or become financially independent that we need to kind of look at and say, okay, what are you guys doing different? Because you guys are kind of the minority. You're the smaller percentage. How do we start being more like you? And a lot of them just feel financial independence is is way more important. And another book uh, called Stop Acting Rich, it's also written by Thomas Stanley. This is the second book I was talking about that I'm, I'm actually going through right now. Um, they says this, Thomas Stanley says this, he says, in this book, I detail why so many people who are not rich hyperspend on luxuries. Often they think that collecting these expensive toys will enhance their overall satisfaction with life. But as you will read in detail, happiness in life has little to do with what you wear, drive, eat, or drink. The people with the greatest satisfaction are those who live well below their means. Happy people tend to live in homes that they can easily afford. And he says, always remember the key rule concerning homes and happiness. Live live in what is below your means. That's so good. Man, I mean, I, so I have read this book <laughs> and this is a great book, but I mean, these, these sort of things hit home because I think, you know, my earlier life before getting out of debt, it was just all about buying this, buying that, you know, trying to keep up, making it look like, you know, trying to just fit in, you know, with everybody else. And, you know, through this whole getting out of debt journey, you just learn to kind of set all that aside. And man, I, we are much, much happier with a whole lot less of stuff than what we used to have. I mean, I just, I wouldn't trade it's, you know, we just were talking before the show started about houses and stuff like that. You know, we've kind of talked back and forth about, do we really want another house? And it's just, we can't bring ourselves to do it because we're just so happy. Like, I just don't want to go back to that situation again. All right, guys, we're going to come back. We're going to do a quick break and we're going to mention the other factors coming up. Hey, if you love planners, this is for you. But do you know why planners frustrate me though? Because they only get it half right. Now, sure, they're really fancy at helping you manage your time, which is really important, but where they get it wrong is money. Most planners don't include any financial planning, things like keeping track of paydays, bills and due dates, spending, yearly expenses, budgets, cash flow planning, debt elimination plans, goal planning, and that's a real pain. Then you've got to go and create your own, and who's got time for all of that? So instead, what happens? Nothing. We ignore our finances even more and things only get worse. Well, that all ends right now today. I am so excited to announce the release of our brand new, totally awesome Debt Freedom Planner. Now, before you say, Brad, I've already got a planner. Well, this is not your ordinary day planner. This Debt Freedom Planner is a companion tool that works with your day planner to help you save more money, pay off more debt, and melt away financial stress. This is literally the tool that we've all been waiting for that works with your planner to help you take control of your money. So head on over to therealdebtfreedad.com. Click on the Debt Freedom Planner in the menu to get all the details to order your very own Debt Freedom Planner today.
Hey guys, we are back. Today we are talking about seven factors or habits of millionaires. And to kick off this next one, this is actually number uh, four and five. The first one of this is their parents did not provide economic outpatient care. And what does that mean? That means that the majority of people who become millionaires or become wealthy, the majority of them, it didn't happen because they inherited the money, right? Most millionaires are first generation, meaning that they made it there on their own without their parents or without a relative's help, all right? The second part of that is their adult children are economically self-sufficient, meaning that millionaires, and we talk about this a lot on this show, the way you handle your money is likely going to eventually become the way that your kids handle their money. And 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 not that you're teaching them bad financial habits on purpose, but most of you know behavior is learned by mimicking. And if And if they've had 18 years of watching you handle your money, and if it hasn't been very good, I mean, there isn't a lot of cases where they're going to take a lot of those habits because it's just what they've seen. It's what they know. In fact, time and time again, I have people come to me who are struggling and saying, Brad, no one's ever taught me how to properly budget or save for an emergency fund or do the stuff that you're talking about here. Like I was just, I was just kind of always taught, like you're going to have debt not to save. You only live once, spend while you got the money, right? It, it was just, you know, there's a lot of those habits. So again, when you're looking at some of these millionaire habits, their parents didn't make them wealthy, but they're also passing on a lot of the characteristics and some of the habits to their children as well. For us, this is very important for us. I mean, I, you know, I feel like a duty now to kind of pass these, these lessons that I've learned on to, you know, our kids. And, you know, as I've helped do this podcast, it's one of the things, just how do we get this message out? You know, like we've learned all this stuff. So how now do we, do we pass on this knowledge to people who, you know, and make it okay to stand up and say, yeah, I kind of screwed up and I've done a lot of wrong things with money. Uh, we all have, I have. Um, and, and I think now it's, you know, seeing my son go through college now paying cash for it. My daughter, who's got a healthy savings account, getting ready to go to college, she's going to pay cash for it to him starting a Roth IRA and wanting to start that at 20 years old and starting to ask, okay, what do I have to save to get here and, and make this money and show him, um, man, it's priceless what I've learned and been able to pass on to them. Nobody ever sat down with me when I was that age, you know, to do that. Yeah, it's huge. Some of the best it's, wisdom. It's important. It's important just to talk to them. Um, I know my daughter just messaged me. She's like, hey, can I get more budget forms? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'll give you some more. <laughs> but it's important because she never would have called us four years ago for that. Yeah. Never. Yeah. And we we see it all the time. Like if, if you know, we, and not only just from the kids, but also from, I you know, I just had some people on for a future episode that we got coming up. I interviewed a couple of days ago and they said that, you know, other people in their family are now asking them, you know, their parents are asking them for help. Right. Um, so, yeah, we, we see this all the time. So, yeah, passing on financial wisdom, whether it's to your kids or or people who are willing to accept help is is a is a fantastic thing. Uh, next one is they are proficient in targeting market opportunities. So most tend to see opportunities where others don't. They have a more, you know, um, I guess. They're, they're opportunists. Like they, they look for opportunities, not only just necessarily to say make extra money, but maybe investments, things like that. Right. And if you think about this, just look at some of the big businesses that are out there. Look at some of the big ones. Like you think of like Facebook, you know, you think of Amazon, you think of Apple, right? You think of some of these big companies that are now, are now in existence. It all started, a lot of these started in just like someone's garage, right? Someone's room. And they saw a need, they saw an opportunity and they took advantage of it. 
And and in that in, in some of those cases, that's where they're taking some of their risks. They're opening up businesses and they're doing things that are going to help them grow their income and be eventually able to grow their investments as well. Well, even in, even investing as well. I mean, when you are financially free and you don't have debt, um, imagine if you had a thousand dollars or a few thousand dollars and you invested in something like Amazon 20 years ago, um, that would be worth a significant amount of money now. Um, and so you are allowed those opportunities when you don't have all the, the debt and the payments, you free up money that is like, Hey, I see an opportunity. I'm going to try to take advantage of that. And you have the ability to do that then. Yeah. Well, I think it also, you also open up yourself the opportunity of just having the the emotional energy to actually dream again. You know, when you're living paycheck to paycheck and and you don't have any money, you know, money's just not a fun topic to talk about. And, and in a lot of cases, you ignore it as much as possible. When you actually start to win and a lot of that stress starts to melt away and you start to be, you start to feel confident in your situation, you know, a lot of that, that emotional energy that you used to spend wasting on, you know, just worrying about money, you now can focus on, hey, what are some special talents and things that I could do to help fix a problem? Like for me, like I'll use me as my example. Like I never imagined running a business like this ever in my mind. I, I never, if you would have said I would have been doing this, I would have laughed in your face, right? But here I found like, hey, I've been able to help people with this. Like maybe this is something that we could do. And we took a risk and we didn't necessarily have to worry about money because we were debt free. And like, hey, here we are. Like, this is a perfect example. And I think we live in one of the best times right now where anybody can start a business. I mean, there are so many different ways to start a business or to start making extra money or to to work on a craft that you're really passionate about. Um, So, you know, again, once you start working your way out of debt, maybe new opportunities will open up to you and you can actually start doing some pretty cool stuff and and probably stuff you never would have imagined that you've been able to do. Next one, and the last one is they chose the right occupation, all right? So this is especially important, I think, and you know, especially if you got kids to start thinking about and working with them, but they, uh, most millionaires who have good good habits, they they have a really good understanding of what their strengths and weaknesses are, and and where they could direct those strengths to help them make uh, you know a decent living that's going to help them uh, build wealth and, and reach that millionaire status. In fact, if you look at other studies that were done, you know, millionaires aren't like all business owners. Uh, in fact, one of the other studies in in uh, Chris Hogan's book, Everyday Millionaires, I think they found one of the top three professions that became millionaires in their study was teacher. Uh, other one was an accountant, I believe, and I want to say the third one, I don't know if this is exactly right, but I want to say it was an engineer. So, I mean, these these are people who just went out and worked regular jobs, and they they became millionaires or became wealthy just, you know, with company 401k plans and stuff. So, like, this this whole millionaire becoming wealthy or, or having money and being able to invest isn't just reserved for business owners or people who start their own business. Like, this is for everybody. Um, but I think focusing on on what you're truly passionate about really, really does help. And I think what we have found with our Roots members, people who go through this process and getting themselves out of debt, one of two things happens. Number one, they have, I guess, a new falling in love with what they do for a living. They're more passionate about it. They show up to work differently. They start to get raises and bonuses that they weren't getting before because, again, they're able to focus on work and not so much worry on about their finances. Or number two, they realize, holy crap, I hate this job. I'm getting something new, right? <laughs> so those are opportunities, though, that can open up and you can start implementing this one habit and focusing on what is the right occupation for me? What's going to serve me in my life? This is huge for people to really be able to take a step back and say, 
you know, do you love what you're doing right now? And if you don't, I mean, you could, by getting out of debt, taking all these tips, really implementing this stuff, you can put yourself in a position to find that right occupation. Find your sweet spot that you love working where you're kind of said, you know, you know, you figure out what your strengths and weaknesses are and man, work becomes a lot of fun then. And you don't really, you're not waking up Monday, you know, super bummed and you're not super happy on Friday afternoon when it's time to go home. (laughs) Well, Amber, you run your own business. Like, did you notice any difference in, the way you used to manage your money and run your, cause you, you've ran your business throughout this whole process of getting out of debt. Like, did you, have you noticed any difference how you run your business then versus how you run it now? And, and do you feel any different? Um, yeah, before it was like a pressure to make certain sales, to make sure I could pay my bills and to cover different things Yeah. now. And it's so funny because now it's just like, Oh, it's not as pressured. I don't feel as stressed about it, but I'm having the highest um, you know, profit that I've ever had. <laughs> yeah. Amazing how that works, no, right? Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I've, I see, I think that's interesting. See, you're someone who stuck with the job that you had and the business that you had, you didn't change. And I was someone who was like, now nah, I'm going to do something different. Right. So I, I think quit that job, <laughs> <laughs> but I, it goes to show you that, you know, if you practice these habits, practice a lot of stuff that we're talking about on the show, that you're going to open up yourself to the opportunity of, of being able to make new choices. And I think that's one of the coolest parts uh, about financial freedom. So again, to wrap all these seven points up is this, it's the good news is, is that anybody can implement these things. Anybody can start using these same habits that help millionaires or wealthy people become wealthy, whether that's your ultimate goal or not, you can still use them to improve your personal finances and you can get started today. Hey, hey, what's inside? That's on means it's time for the celebrations of the show. And today we're kicking it off with Sally and Ness. We sold another $470 worth of unused stuff. These guys have been crushing it. I don't know Sally. what they're sleeping on anymore. Oh my God. <laughs> Seriously. It's like week in and week out. Sally and Nick are just selling everything. Listen to this. Sold the $470 worth of unused stuff as well as we put $1,210 towards Debt. They are just crushing it. I love it. Marissa Perez, we have completely cut out eating out this week. We are all cut off on bills and I got a refund for an event that got canceled. Awesome. Great job. Michelle Moyer Love, I put all my tips from this week into bill envelopes instead of eating lunch out this week. And we only ate dinner out one time. And due to the eating change, my scale numbers went down also. So a double win. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Great job. Rebecca Jones, I was able to get $1,000 into my emergency fund. That's such a Woo-hoo. huge and fun, exciting celebration. I love that. Congratulations to you, Rebecca. Francis Paul on Hubby and I bought a second property, a 2.74 acre vacant wooded lot to build a cottage on and paid in cash. I've never felt more accomplished. Yeah. And what I love about Francis is that just what, three, four years ago, she started Roots. They are now completely debt-free 
And look at that. They just bought another piece of property with cash. That, that's how quickly like things can start to happen and fall in place uh, if, if you're just diligent. It's so exciting. So again, congratulations to all of you who are working so hard. It is really, really impressive. And thanks for hanging out with us here today. We love your feedback and it also helps us grow our podcast. So please leave us an honest review. We read every single one of those. And as you know, the Debt-Free Dad podcast is here to help you live a happier and stress-free financial life. So if you know someone who could benefit from our show, please give us a share. We appreciate you, and we will see you on an upcoming episode. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Debt-Free Dad podcast. For more free resources to kick debt and financial stress, head over to therealdebtfreedad.com. 